Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 44 of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta 8 edible. Michigan has beaten Ohio State. They're going to the Big Ten Championship game. Nebraska, Nebraska, and Wisconsin lost to Minnesota, which means they will be meeting Iowa there. So we'll go over to you guys. They're together actually in Northwest Ohio celebrating the end of the Thanksgiving holidays. We'll go to Casey first because he was actually at the game yesterday. Tell us what's going on, man, how that was. The experience must have been terrific, albeit cold. How are you guys? I'm doing great, man. It actually wasn't as bad as what you would have thought. I was pretty bundled up, though. I'm not going to lie. The atmosphere was incredible. It was the best I've ever seen it. And, yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty good game overall, actually. Like, I thought even though Ohio State kind of got pushed around a little bit, it was still a really good game. And just was on edge. I mean, on edge. You just were waiting for Ohio State to get a stop on defense and score to, you know, make it a tie ball game. But just didn't happen. But, you know, it was – Thanksgiving's been awesome. Getting able to see everybody. We had a baptism today of of Wyatt. Actually, it was uh, David Wyatt Bond. Did you see? <laughs> Pastor messed up his name when he was getting baptized. It was kind of funny, but um, probably have to redo it. Yeah. <laughs> Some dude named David Wyatt got baptized today and didn't even know it. But uh, doing great, man. And then Hayden, I already know the answer about what how you've been doing the last twenty four hours or so since wars is probably the same, but. Be for that. How was your Thanksgiving holidays? Hopefully a lot better than the last day or so. Yeah, I had to go to church today to kind of get the, the stench off me from yesterday because that was an absolute ass-kicking. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. So, Well, credit to you, though, because you do belong or deserve some credit here because you've been on this for a few weeks. Casey and I did not see the game going the way it did, and obviously you had a better feeling going into it, but... We will burn through, I think, the other Big Ten games because naturally, other than the Minnesota-Wisconsin game, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Like we told you last episode, we'll start getting back more into the normal flow of shows after the Big Ten championship game. But for right now, we'll talk about some of these other ones. So we'll start first with the Friday game. Iowa beats Nebraska, gives themselves a chance going into Saturday to have a chance to play in the Big Ten Championship game. Things eventually do fall their way. Nebraska was up in this game 21-6 to in the second half, and just Nebraska. I, I don't know what even to say, except we're just so used to seeing it now. 3-9, and nine, all nine losses, single digits. Casey, we'll go to you, I guess, first on this one, because your Iowa Hawkeyes going to face off against your former Michigan Wolverines. This has got to be a little weird on you, but what was your thoughts on Friday watching this game? It didn't look like Iowa stood a chance. They were kind of getting kind of getting their butts kicked there for a little bit. But then, I mean, you're right. Nebraska being Nebraska, you could just feel the game slipping away. They were making so many mistakes. And uh, obviously, ultimately cost them in the end. You just got to feel for Nebraska at this point. Three and nine season, one and eight. Lost every single game by less than 10 points. Just, just a brutal, brutal season for the Cornhuskers. They are the best three and nine team of all time, though. They absolutely are the best three and nine team of all time. It doesn't really feel like much right now, but you got to at least feel potentially a little encouraged the way Logan Smothers played up until the end. He is a freshman making his first start in the last game of the year in a rivalry game. 
unfortunately, all we can do now is talk about hypotheticals for Nebraska until next year. Their season's done. And Iowa, before we're going to do our preview of the Big Ten championship game this week on our midweek episode, but just briefly, going into Michigan, they've got to feel a lot probably better matchup-wise to see Michigan, but, I mean, do, do you really think that they're going to have a shot? This Michigan team right now just seems like they're on a mission. Michigan's going to beat their ass. I I actually think that both teams kind of got the matchup that they would best want in the Big Ten Championship. I don't think Iowa wanted to see Ohio State, and I don't think Michigan wanted to see Wisconsin because of how Wisconsin was playing up until yesterday. So we'll we'll see how it goes, I guess. We will be talking more about Iowa, like I said, on this midweek episode for the preview, but we're going to keep going right now. Get this one out of the way pretty quickly. Maryland beat the shit out of Rutgers. They go to bowl eligibility. Rutgers does not. They win 40-16. to Rutgers starts this year, what, they were 3-0, and looked really good. We thought they had a chance. They looked good against probably one of the only teams in the Big Ten that looked good against Michigan for a half of football and then fall off a cliff. Completely fall off a cliff. They're 5-7. and seven. Congratulations to Loxley's club for getting to bowl eligibility. But I don't really know what to say here. I think both these teams, even though they did get there, they were disappointing down the stretch. Well, what do you feel about these teams going forward? Have either of them, you felt like, progressed this year as a program as a whole, even if it was small? My only thing is that you picked Rutgers' money line. <laughs> Good for you. Did nobody else take money line in that game? I think I took Maryland money line. He did. Yeah. But you took Rutgers' money line. You died on that hill. To me, I said it on the show Friday. I thought a blue-collar team was going to be able to get it done. And I don't know. They did not really get it done. (laughs) (laughs) I did see that Talia broke Maryland's single-season passing record yesterday. So congratulations to him on that. Finished with three touchdowns, 312 yards. But they ran the ball really well. They had Fleet Davis run for 150 yards. Uh, McDonald almost ran for 100. He had 99 yards. They ran for 263 as a team, which is really unlike Maryland. But I saw that a little bit last week against Michigan. While they weren't as effective as they were statistically as effective, I I thought they ran the ball fine. But I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't see 263 yards coming. So I I don't know if Maryland – Maryland's a tricky team. Rutgers is too. I mean, my goodness. And then also Illinois, who we're going to talk about later. This, These middle Big Ten teams are just really, really tricky to figure out on a week-to-week basis. I saw that. What's that Rutgers quarterback name? Gavin Winzap or something? Something like that. They played yeah. three quarterbacks, and, and he didn't he didn't play yesterday. I, wonder, I don't know if he's hurt or not. But Wimzat? Wimzat, yep. Gavin Winzat. That's a guy that enrolled early, left left high school early, and was a really high recruit. And he saw a little bit of action a couple games ago, I feel like. I should ask, is there any chance that maybe he has already been in four games this year and they're trying to protect a redshirt? Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. I guess I didn't really even think of that. But I, I feel like I only saw him one game, and it was probably, a couple, I think it was two weeks ago. But that's a great point. That's a, you know something that you got to consider nowadays for sure. And we will go to our next game, and I'm glad that you actually kind of gave us a natural segue here, Casey. Illinois, they were up early and big on Northwestern. I didn't know we would ever possibly see an Illinois football team 
have a capability of scoring 47 points in conference, they dominate this team and really go out into the what offseason on a good high note. The only negative, and I hate to be negative because Illinois deserves positivity in the last month or so, you brought up, or we were talking Maryland football before, if they just win that game at the end like they're supposed to, we're sitting here talking about Illinois being bull eligible right now and not Maryland and Rutgers playing for it. So it's a bummer that we could have potentially seen a pretty significant turnaround in Illinois, and we did, but I feel like the world almost got to see it too in like a New Year pinstripe bowl. Anything you guys want to say on that game? Yeah, you said it. I'm just surprised that they were able to score 47 points on anybody. So, <laughs> yeah. Ed, what, uh, 37 at halftime? That's kind of crazy. I bet this game, I knew it was a reach for Northwestern to win, but my goodness, I didn't think that they'd lose by 33 points, that's for sure. I, I just kind of think that Illinois is finally, how do I want to say, adopting this uh, Brett Bielema style of, of football where they want to, you know, pound you and, you know, make you grind it out for four quarters here. And I, I can't remember the last time that Illinois got over 400 yards of total offense, let alone 450. So, yeah, really good uh, note to end on for the Illini. I can only imagine their typical years. You're, you're ending losing seven, eight straight games. This year on the flip, you're talking about a team that went to Happy Valley, got a win, beat Nebraska at home. You had a lot of these like signature wins that you really got to hope that they can keep building on. One team that kind of had something building going into this year and fell off the cliff we talk about, Indiana. They are officially 0-9 in conference. Looked this was such a bad team this year. Just to say they were the worst Big Ten team doesn't do it justice. And what they were going into this season, this is such a bummer. But then naturally on the other sideline, you have a Purdue team that is starting their own kind of resurgence here and dominated in their rivalry game, getting a 44-7 to win here. Jeff Brom's got to feel really good. That hot seat got really cold this year, and it looks like he's there long term. Unfortunately, that means Tom Allen's not the same spot Hayden, you were telling me before we got on here some news. Do you want to share that for everybody? Yeah, I was reading. So Indiana is getting rid of their offensive coordinator, Nick Sheridan, who is used to be Michigan's quarterback, right? Yeah. So he he is now gone, and Tom Allen, while he's not he's not fired, he is getting the, almost the Jim Harbaugh treatment of the the reduction in salary until he can uh, earn it back, I guess. <laughs> couple things here first off I know I said this a couple weeks ago but Aiden O'Connell is good I know lighting up the the scoreboard against Indiana is not really anything to hang your hat on but his last three games this season were absolutely outstanding hopefully for Purdue he he takes advantage of that free COVID year last year and comes back because if he comes back I think they could be a real threat in the west next next year and then, you know, David Bell had a good game, probably his last game at Purdue. But, yeah, other than that, not really much else to touch on for this game, I think. Yeah, I think when you get to this point of the year, especially for some of these teams that you know what they are, it's hard to draw any kind of conclusions or thoughts out of games. And our next game really wasn't like that, though. The last three games were some of the games we were most looking forward to going into this weekend. Penn State went into East Lansing they actually had their number all the way up to four by the time of the kickstart, which everybody was on Penn State. Michigan State came out to play. They got this win. They won 
by three, but they were up by 10 in the fourth quarter and in the third or in the second half in general and had a little bit of just comfort. You didn't ever feel like there was a risk that they would lose this game. I'm not really sure what to make of this because this is a great rebound win after a really bad month for Michigan State going into their bowl. And now we have to start wondering too for them, where's Ohio State going to fall? Michigan State's bowl berth. How are they going to look one another? You'd imagine Ohio State's still going to be well ahead of them because of the loss to a top five team. But at the same point, Michigan State might get themselves back in the top 10 at this rate. And what a season for Mel Tucker. This has been a phenomenal rebound year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it really comes down to uh, him or Harbaugh for coach of the year. I guess you could probably throw Ference in there as well. But, yeah, you know, everybody was picking Penn State this game. I was – even you two, I was the only one to go. Michigan State money line and this cover the spread. You know, they, they fed Kenneth Walker the third the ball. And I think that when Michigan State's been really successful this year, that's what they've done. Last week, obviously, they got away from that and they found it this this week again. That that game was really fun to watch, though, man. The, the elements, I, I wouldn't even say it limited Penn State's passing game. They still had 313 yards, but that was like ultimate Big Ten football weather right there in the, in the natural grass, snow coming down. But, you know, good for Michigan State. Way to end the, the season on a high note. I feel like that's a game typically, you know, whether they're 9-2 and two or they're 7-4, and 6-5, and five, that's typically a game that they, they would lose and choke. So, nice nice job by Mel Tucker and his staff, I suppose. Yeah, I, I guess I just – it shows, I think, how good Mel Tucker is going to be at Michigan State to have his team bounce back the way – they did against Penn State. I know Penn State's record isn't great, but we've I've been on them a little bit all year about how I think they're still a good team, even though they have five losses. So yeah, good good for Mel Tucker and Michigan State. Does Kenneth, Kenneth Walker the third still get to uh, New York? Do we think? Why not? I mean, it's not like yesterday C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young ran away with it. I know that C.J. Stroud had a really good statistical day, but you know how these voters almost need you to win your conference the way these awards have started being determined and having Bryce Young almost lose to Auburn and having Ohio State actually lose to Michigan why not and who's to say I guess now his he's done but he deserves a lot of votes I don't care that his team ended up 10 and 2 that loss last week that he really only had, what six carries for 30 some odd yards or high 20s or something Beyond that, this guy really might have been the best player in the country. It feels like he dom. This Michigan State team's what seven wins without him. I would say so. Yeah, I, I would have to. I would have to say so as well because he really carried Michigan State over the win against Michigan specifically. But you know, I, I remember the Rutgers game. That was a game that was a little closer, and he had two hundred and something yards that game too. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say that they would obviously not be ten and two without Kenneth Walker. And it's weird, too, because the Heisman is not like the NFL MVP award, obviously. It's best college football player, so that's where it's a little tough for him because you have C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young with weapons all around them, and it feels like Kenneth Walker III really did this by himself. But then, effectively, what turned into a Big Ten West play-in game for Wisconsin, Iowa sat at home, really big Golden Gopher fans yesterday, and they were rewarded for it. Minnesota and Michigan, both of those teams break off some of these really extreme winning streaks for the other team. 
Minnesota's only won once in the last 17 years. Now you got a second, just like Michigan. And they do it in the exact same way that Wisconsin would want to by just bullying these guys. I was going to a Big Ten championship game because of this, but P.J. Fleck in Minnesota got to be some kind of thrill, especially with the adversity they faced early in this season to come back and get to eight wins. P.J. Fleck in Minnesota, they might be a threat in the future for Big Ten West titles. What do you think? Yeah, very well could be. Minnesota, probably tied with Illinois, was my least favorite team of the Big Ten the whole year. (laughs) They are wildly, wildly inconsistent. But touching on this game for a little bit, you know, it was it's kind of an ugly, ugly game when you look at it statistically. Neither team reached 300 yards. Neither team was over 50% in third down efficiency. Neither team ran the ball for more than 75 yards, which is odd because you would think it you know, with these two teams, and especially with how well Wisconsin was running the ball, you'd think somebody would at least break 100. But, you know, credit to Minnesota. Weirdest team, one of the weirdest teams probably in the country this year, but pulled off the upset yesterday. Yeah, and Wisconsin didn't score an offensive touchdown this game. The way they scored was a pick six. Really? Yeah. So, you know, Wisconsin's defense carried them throughout the year and, you know, even helped score in this game, but – it's the same old story. It just it's just not enough. You can't totally rely on your defense to win every single game. And poor Wisconsin, I guess, has found that out. My question, if you are a Badger fan right now, it's got to be: Did you see enough out of Graham Mertz to believe that he can take that next step next year? Because right now, no. there's you don't really see that part of his game there at all. No. Yeah, Casey will expand on that. My answer is no. Yeah, uh, you know, I didn't. He. When, when Wisconsin got rolling, like I said, they, they were running the ball for 200 yards a game. Mertz wasn't really even that effective in the passing game in, in any of those wins. And if you look at all their losses, I mean, my goodness, he's just played really, really bad. And, you know, yesterday was no – there was no change to that. He was, you know, barely over 50% completion percentage. His QBR was 51, had a turnover. So I, I, I can't say confidently that I think Graham Mertz is – or should be the guy going forward for Wisconsin, but I also don't really know who's in that quarterback room. So, you know, if he's the best option, you know, Wisconsin's really got to hope for him to take a, a massive step this offseason. Casey, I com- couldn't agree more with that. I, he's not really shown it yet. I understand if you're Wisconsin, you got to be patient and hope that there's a light bulb that's going to click. You know, the talent's there. His build is there. It just hasn't at any point, really translated to the actual game day field. Got to hope with another year of experience, maybe that happens. But right now, it's not looking great. Well, let's get now to what the three of us want to talk about. Or, to? I was going to say, want to talk about or at least have to talk about it, more or less. But imagine this. this is I'm going to time travel here for you guys. Ready? C.J. Stroud went 34-49, 394, and two touchdowns. Cade McNamara went 13 of 19, 159 yards and one interception. I'm sure you would have thought if I told you that this last week, Ohio State not only won, but won comfortably. Instead, what you have here is what Hayden said at the top of the show, an ass kick. I don't want to say that, but we... I I really don't care about the yardage here. This felt like Michigan kicked the shit out of Ohio State. Every time it felt like they got their head back above water, Michigan shoved their head back under. I don't know really how to throw it over to you guys other than 
I guess let's talk about it. I'll start because I have a laundry list of, of shit to say about this game. And I don't know how long we want to spend on this, but I could probably talk about this for three hours. The first thing that came to mind and it hit me probably middle of the third quarter, maybe the fourth quarter, beginning, sometime in there. This is a program-defining win for Michigan. Like, this, this can absolutely turn the tide on the recruiting trail, on getting, you know, up to – I'm not even going to say up to Ohio State's level because apparently they are – but to beating them consistently, this was like program defining. This was huge for Jim Harbaugh, and I there's not enough words that I can even say to like describe that fully, other than this could be the beginning of the turnaround under under Harbaugh. Yeah, and we kind of seen that on the recruiting trail so far too. After the game was over, a bunch of crystal balls for some pretty high recruits for Michigan after the game too. So I yeah yeah I mean I completely agree with you, Aiden. It could be. Absolutely program changing if they can build this 2021 or 2022 class, you know, with the momentum that they have after this game. I thought when we were watching this, what went through my head, Hayden, similar to you, mine was, is this the start of the true next 10-year war? Because the level of hate and animosity in the rivalry feels like it's really been restored to a level that we haven't seen in a while. And we've talked all year about how Michigan finally leaned back into this rivalry this year and said it's not just another game. We're trying to beat that team. I mean, shit, you could tell on as soon as that game started yesterday, that level of energy, it wasn't like Ohio State didn't show up and want to beat the hell out of Michigan. It's just they were overwhelmed. No, I yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I, I saw a tweet after the game, and it was it was from someone who is not, you know, familiar, like an Ohio State or Michigan guy. From an outside perspective, he said this this rivalry to him was on life support. This game was the shot in the arm to get everything going. And you can see that. I don't know if you saw, Wally, the uh, Harbaugh had a little jab at Ryan Day after the game. Do you see that? Not being said, born on you know, third. Some people think they hit a triple when they're on third base, but, you know, yeah. apparently Ryan Day didn't. I don't know, but it's just like, you know, gets the, the juices flowing in this rivalry. Yeah, and to touch on that a little bit too, you know, they had a uh, a couple pieces on big noon kickoff and game day about how much, you know, and we've heard about it all year, how much Michigan's taking this rivalry more serious. You know, the, the players were talking about how it started back in January, and I think that really it's what Ohio State's been so far ahead of Michigan for the past 20 years. They just focus. It's not like you're focusing on one game. You're focusing to get – to get to that level, to be better than that team. You know, and I think people get that confused. Like, oh, Ohio State only focuses on this game. That's why they've been winning it. No, it's to it's to set your standard of excellence so high. And I think this is the first time that we've seen Michigan do that in, a, you know, quite some time. And they really showed it. And, and I don't know if you guys could really get the feel, you know, watching it on TV, but it, Michigan just wanted it more. I really felt like they did. And like Hayden said, they were desperate. Uh, the rivalry was desperate. If it wasn't yesterday for Michigan, I really don't know when in the future you could have, you know, been confident going in because Ohio State, Stroud's coming back. Henderson's coming back. They, ha- they have a good nucleus and they've recruited at an elite level. So that's kind of what I took away from that culture aspect of things in this game. Well, you saw in 2016, it felt like very similar to yesterday where if Michigan won, we could have been seeing 
not necessarily a changing of the guard, but Michigan really competing with Ohio State on a much more consistent level. And Ohio State fought that off. And we're, what it's five years later now before we're talking about this. It just goes to show how important it was. And God, if you're a Michigan fan, you got to just be so encouraged now. Because, I mean, dude, talking about the hatred and the rivalry as well, Jim Harbaugh is a part of it. He played. He grew up in this. Under Bo, he was there. It, like He should know. He does know what this means. And you could tell yesterday, he went to that press conference strutting his stuff. And you can't even knock him. If you win, you're allowed to talk shit. One other thing that I want to touch on with Michigan before I get to my Ohio State doom and gloom shit is Casey and I were talking about this. Michigan's linebackers made plays yesterday. Yeah. Like they, I, I, I me and Wally, me and you have been down all year about Ohio State's linebacker play, how it's not been good. And K- Casey kind of was saying like, you know, it hasn't been great, but Ohio State's linebackers are more athletic than Michigan's. And I think that'll show on Saturday. Josh Ross made one of the better plays on that oh. first drive of the of, of the half. That yeah, was third and two. Well. Just just completely stuffed them for a one yard loss. That I mean, I don't know that maybe this game changes if Ohio State goes down and scores there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like to me, that was one of the plays of the game. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And that play was massive. It looked like he just it just read it and just jumped it right off the right off the gun. And Junior Colson played a pretty darn good game too. He's he's really young, but you know, I'm Josh Ross has always been a a good run defender, but if you get him out, you know, trying to cover, you know, some tight ends or wide receivers, then you're in big, big trouble. But, you know, Ohio State really didn't do that too much. Michigan Michigan sat in a zone. I would say it was probably 50-50 most of the time between zone and man. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with you. I, I think the Michigan linebackers played a lot better than what I expected. I mean, even – just talking, I know that Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo are outstanding. We know that. They're first-round talent in the NFL. They're going to have terrific careers there, too. But we kept talking and hearing everybody in the world say about how great this Ohio State offensive line is. I mean, that defensive line dominated in that game, too. Aiden Hutchinson literally made, he got to one Jones benched in that game. I, I, I didn't want to admit it before, but he is baby Bosa. Like, he's on Bosa level. Yeah. He absolutely is. I mean, he took... A, like I said, a first-round offensive line, too. And he made him look bad. Dewan Jones got... I don't know if he got hurt in the third quarter at some point. He did. He actually... He like he popped his shoulder out, I think. Oh, see, I didn't know he actually popped his shoulder out because all of a sudden, right after a sack, he was just gone. And it made me start wondering, like, are they just saying, hey, he's on an island right now and Aiden Hutchinson's making him look that bad? But, all right, that makes much more sense. Thanks, Aiden. No, there was one play. It was in the third quarter... And, like, he went to block and immediately grabbed his shoulder. It was, like, dangling. So, they had to, I, I don't think he could have returned from that one. All right. Well, rescind everything I just said. I appreciate that you did say it. But either way, regardless of who he was going against. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. It didn't matter. He, they, he, it didn't matter where he was lined up. He was beating his man more times than not. And, you know, had a, had a real impact on the game. I mean, on, uh, three really, sacks. Really, I mean, Jesus. Be, beyond the sacks, too. I mean, the, yeah. the pressures. There were a couple times where Ohio State had some receivers open, but the pressure right in his face, Stroud wasn't able to follow through on the ball and uh, sailed a couple of them high. He, he floated a couple, too. And I think you got to give it, you know, give credit to that defensive line. Just as a whole, obviously, Hutchinson and Ojabo really played well. But those two guys up front, Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton, Mike Morris had a pretty good game. So just that defensive line as a unit played a lot better. They were getting home with four, 
And, you know, that allowed Michigan to play their defense, keep everything in front, which was absolutely huge and, and slowing down Ohio State's offense. Well, and you could just tell every time Stroud had time, first down, yeah. 10, 10, 10, 15 yard pickup. When he didn't, sack or over the head, throw away, whatever. It didn't. I mean, that's how the game went. If they could block, and we knew that. We knew that going yeah. in, which, damn it, brings me to my rant on Ohio State. If you could tell after the first quarter, the first drive, didn't Hutchinson have a sack on Ohio State? No, no. The second drive. They had a sack on the second drive of the game. You could tell that those two were going to be a problem, and they made n- no real adjustment to try and help. We saw during the Purdue game, they left in Jeremy Ruckert and uh, whatever, Kate Stover, whoever, to help block him. Where was that this game? We left our tackles out there one-on-one to die. They, they had no shot. So that's on Ryan Day. I mean, it just is. And I, I mean, there's never a good time for a sack. Obviously, drive killers. But they were at some of the most critical points in a game, too, where Ohio State is desperately trying to get themselves back in the game, where it's a second and long. They have a chance to win that Ohio State in that stretch where they just went down a score, was second and 10, and he gets sacked as well. I mean, Joel Klatt, you even saw, called it his Tony Romo impression. It was, it was perfect. He says, if he gets time, he'll complete this ball but I think that you might see a sack here. It's something to that effect. And that's what you saw all game. It was, if you knew those edge rushers were going to pin their ears back, what did Stroud have? Two seconds? Maybe? It was unbelievable what they did. And I mean, like you said, mini Bosa kind of levels. And it's scary because then what, what's that do? It also breeds players like that one to go to that school. So that's just all around a bad situation for Buckeye fans. One of my biggest things I wrote down we, we talked about how this is program-defining for Michigan. On, on the other side of it, this is also program-defining for Ohio State. Ryan Day has to blow up the defensive staff. I, that is un- unacceptable to just get – they got out-toughed and out-physicaled in a game. And I never – you know, during Second the – Second time this year, both losses. Yeah, really. both, both losses. I mean, and that – when Ohio State lost a game – Ryan Day's not Urban Meyer. When they lost the game to Urban Meyer, there were weird things I think that happened. It's not because they weren't tough enough to win the game. They weren't tough enough to win this game at all, and it showed. And the defensive line got absolutely mauled all game. And, you know, we give Ohio State's linebackers crap for not playing well. Those guys are flying up to them. They have no chance. They have no chance when there's nobody on the defensive line. And it shocks me. Because of, you know, Haskell Garrett. and There's guys who have made plays throughout their career. They did not show up. This is a program-defining loss. And, you know, they have 364 days to figure it out. Because if not, Michigan's returning guys on both sides of the ball. Like, this is going to be a street fight next year. I know it's going to be at home, but it's going to be the same thing. Ryan Day needs to find... I don't know if he needs his own Mike McDonald or if he needs some you need he needs to find somebody that he can trust 100% to call the defense. He cannot he doesn't have time to manage the offense and that he has to find somebody to do the defense. And I I don't know if they find an NFL guy, if they find another college guy, but you have to find somebody that you can trust. Initially when, you know, after I got some cell signal and started reading all the comments and stuff, initially I was like, "Come on guys, like Chill out, chill out, chill out. Quit calling for Ryan Day's head. Quit saying Quint Ewers' season next year because Stroud sucked and all this, this. Well, Quint Ewers would have played the same, in my opinion, if he got the same sort of pressure in his face. So chill out on on C.J. Stroud. 
You, CJ Stroud didn't even play bad. No, and, I, and I, I would saying. give him a B at least for that game. I, he I had would, no shot. Yes, I would too, and that's why I, it was crazy to see. And it, it it kind of like okay, Ohio State needs to make adjustments <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball. I agree. Yes, and that's ultimately on Ryan Day. And we've known that Ryan Day gets a little too it is is goes away from the run too easy. We know that, but usually it doesn't bite him in the ass. But it, I I agree with you, Hayden. They need to make changes on the defensive side of the ball because this wasn't a one-game problem against Michigan. This was an all-year issue where, you know, it was the pass against Purdue. It was the run against Oregon. It was a a little bit of both against uh, Tulsa. They couldn't stop Jahan Dotson against Penn State. And then, you know, Adrian Martinez throws for 290 yards. So it it just, I I agree. I kind of thought about it more after I saw some of the some of the things that were being said, changes need made on the defensive side of the coaching staff, and, and I would completely agree with that. Well, and and here's my last point. I have a note because I went down and looked, and I don't have the players' names written down, and I don't like to do that anyway because I'm not calling anybody out. But and this is not Ryan Day's fault because he took over twenty. When was he the twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen was his first year. So I guess one year of this wasn't his fault. The other couple of years, you could kind of, he has a share of the blame. From 2018 to 2020, they have missed. So the, not that they recruited poorly, no, but the guys that they recruited defensively didn't pan out. And I, it, it, I don't know if that's coaching or if that's the player just not panning out. But so in there, they have missed on a ton of guys. And there, there was you know a five star guy that they recruited for at defensive back who is no longer with the team. Gone. You have to have these guys pan out when you're recruiting at this level. I know. I know it's easy to just keep like replacing them with new guys, but it doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. And and would you are are either one of you concerned with like how much Ryan Day is focused on the offense and offensive recruiting. That's um, I because I, I mean yes the wide receiver room is stacked. You know, Travion Henderson, five star quarterback. Your your quarterback room is you know you have three five star quarterbacks in there, another four star, you know, is is Ryan Day too focused on the offensive side of the ball to to be successful stopping the run. What's what's the answer? He needs to hire a defensive coordinator that he can trust to run the defense. That, I, that's it. He can't do both. I, yeah, I've been writing notes down as you guys have been going back and forth. I haven't wanted to like cut you off. But first of all, on the offense, you're right. Yes, such a high focus. I mean, yeah, you're seeing the rewards of the offensive side of the ball. But if it wasn't for Chase Young who was the biggest, you never upset about it. You love to have a guy like that. But he was the biggest, it's like a, it's a secret bad thing that's happened too because it made this like belief that Ohio State's defense just got better when in reality, Chase Young was there. Beyond that, when has this defense been to the level we think it should be since the national title year in 2014? It hasn't. It really hasn't. And then, the thing that bothered, I think, me most, and this goes back to coaching too, it was the execution in this game. I mean, you're talking about penalties out the wazoo for Buckeye fans. You're talking about a very disciplined Michigan team. You're talking about a million drops for Ohio State. You're talking about Michigan coming to play, making all of these critical plays Ohio State was not executing on. That is that is on coaching. You have to be able to execute in high-pressure situations and I don't know what to say. I mean, I think the most culminating thing that pissed me off the most just because it felt like you didn't get any better throughout the year. I can't remember if it was the final Michigan score or the one right before. 
but it was the Oregon sweep. The exact same play that Oregon ran three separate times against us, and we didn't adjust to it in that game, and we looked completely unprepared. And just, it just, it was the perfect icing on the cake to what yesterday and this season was to see what our ghosts come back to bite us one more time. So to kind of tag along with that, and I, I think it's on both sides of the ball, but I'm going to pick on the defense just because I, it, it, that was horrible. There was there's no sense of urgency, and I, I I don't condone ripping dudes' helmets off and fighting or whatever. But like that was the only emotion that I saw from the defense the entire game. Mm-hmm. Cam and, the, and and here's here this is a culture thing that happens. He rips his helmet. You know, and the Michigan guy was holding on to him. He rips his helmet off. Whatever. The Michigan offensive line, you know what they do? Mm-hmm. They come running over. Who came over to, to protect Cam Brown? Who did? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody did. And I don't know. that That's a coaching thing, and it's specifically a defensive thing right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Wally, I, I think that you hit on a couple big points. Uh, you know, the, pe- the penalties were obviously an issue. Ohio State's had lapses like that all year, all year round. It wasn't consistent, but they've had games like that before. I think there were, what, five false start penalties. They had 10, 10 total. But, you know, before we before we start diving into the game itself, I feel like we've been talking big picture a lot. You know, if you would have told me that Ohio State won the turnover battle, Ohio State won the time of possession battle, Ohio State ran 18 more plays than Michigan and strode through for almost 400 yards, I would have thought it wouldn't have even been close. But I, I think Michigan was able – I mean, obviously. Michigan didn't face a third down in the second half. No. They didn't face a third down in a whole half. I think it was very evident that the Michigan coaching staff watched the Ohio State-Oregon game and thought, we can do that just as good, if not better. You're right, Wally, that that sweep. I I think it was the first time they ran it was the 13-yard touchdown uh, when it was 21-13 at the time. And then when it it got there, it was 28-13. Ohio State was just – I, I didn't want to say ball game, and I truly, I didn't think it was over until after that last Ohio State possession because you know how explosive that offense is. But, you know, schematics and, and then a lack of lack of energy. Hayden, you said it, man. You know, Cam Brown ripping off that dude's helmet was the only kind of energy we saw on that defense all day. You know, Michigan was doing whatever whatever they wanted. And, and really, Ohio State, you know, when you break it down, like they made some big-time plays – to keep this game even as close. That Jackson Smith and Jigba catch on third and 19 was yeah. incredible. My I, goodness. Uh, I, when that happened, I tweeted right after I said, did JSN just save the season? Because at that point, there was still plenty of time that they could have scored two or three or four more times and still won the game. It was 28-13 at that point. Right, it was still third like and 19. middle of the third quarter. Like yeah. There was plenty of time. I was like, did he just save the season? Uh-oh. Apparently not, well, but it could, it could have, though. Yeah, I mean, they scored a touchdown on that drive, and then, you know, obviously going into the game a little bit here, you know, McNamara, right after a big play, gets him down to the 15-yard line on the second possession, throws a pick, and, you know, I know I told you that uh, whenever he steps back on that back foot and rips it, it's usually a completion, and he did exactly that. He didn't see Shaw, obviously, coming across the middle, but one of the plays that really stood out to me was that first drive Michigan had where Haskins broke a little – I think it was like a 10-ish 10, yard run, and he ran over Bryson Shaw. 
and and you felt it in the stadium. It was like, oh, sh- like oh shit. You know, these boys came to smack these dudes in the mouth. You know, obviously they did, but you could feel it that early that Michigan's offense was um, going to do what, really whatever they wanted in the run game. You talked about that interception, but at that point of the game, you're down seven to nothing. It looks like Michigan's about to go up two scores really early, and you thought, oh, it's a Buckeye fan. Oh no, this is like 2000. I think 17 all over again. I think they were down 14 nothing in that game. But then what happens? You get the pick, and then you're really effortlessly walking down the field. And I don't want to blame a guy like Chris Olave ever because he's done so much, and I'm not blaming him. But you have that drop on second and goal. I know the ball's behind him. It's a little bit of a duck. But if you catch that ball, it's 7-7 seven to seven right there, and you have to really wonder about how much of that game changes because going down the field after that interception and being 7-3... Yeah, it was an all right feeling because of what could have been, but it felt like a massive missed opportunity in a way to really, what, dictate your terms of the game, really change momentum. And I feel like you threw all the momentum away by having to settle for a field goal. I, I think I've let all my frustrations out. Yeah. So uh, I, I I don't have anything to say yeah. other than it needs fixed. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, if we, both teams had plays, you know, that, Went their way and, and didn't go their way, obviously. Um, an underrated play in the game, I would say, was ultimately did it matter? Maybe not. But the, uh, you know, why, why was Julian Fleming back there returning kicks? You know, he, he, fair, he called for a And they did catch, the same damn thing last week. Let it bounce. It happened then, last week. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that was critical. Obviously, you know, Michigan stopped them on a three and out that possession. But, you know, that could be different if you're not starting at your own four-yard four line. line. So, you know, little things like that. And, and like I mentioned, I, I thought that, you know, Ryan Day got away from the run game a little a little too quick, in my opinion. I still think, you know, Travion's the dude. And he really had a decent game when you, when you break it down and, and look at it statistically. You know, that third and two, there's not really anything that oh. he could have done on that. You know, guard got blown up. A, another thing that, you know, really surprised, I, I guess didn't really surprise me, but you wouldn't have really thought of it going to the game. Maybe maybe Hutchinson, but the two best players on offense and defense were both on Michigan, on Michigan's team yesterday. Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, that was, you know. Not even close. Yeah, not even close. But, uh, you know, Hassan Haskins, my goodness, I said it a couple shows ago that, you know, him not being on the Doak Walker uh, Award finalist list, which is the top ten running backs in the nation, you know, him not being on that was criminal. And, I, you know, he ran with – a purpose yesterday. I mean, my goodness, I don't, did they have a tackle for loss on him? No, no tackle for loss, no sacks. They had one hurry. Yeah. That's another thing I wanted to touch on too. And I'm so glad you said that because Wally, you mentioned uh, the chase youngs and, and the reason why, you know, Ohio state was so good on defense for a, a decent amount of time there. You had Bosa's, you had chase young and they did not, they don't have that this year. I know they were tied for the big 10 lead in sacks coming into the game or something. But when nine of them come against Akron, you know, I don't know how much. But uh, And I know that McNamara only dropped back 20 times, but he got zero sacks and only got one pressure. That was an issue against Purdue. It was an issue yesterday. And, you know, obviously you can tell that those are, those are big-time game-changing plays no matter the down. And Ohio State just wasn't able to get home at all either. Hassan Haskins... I, I never said anything negatively, but in my mind, I kept thinking there's no way that this guy's going to beat us because he doesn't have great speed and 
He did. I mean, he just he absolutely destroyed them and the offensive line just absolutely destroyed us. The last thing I'm going to mention, and then I'll and then I'll get off my soapbox. Ohio State can never do four offensive tackles on one line. You need those two guard. You need some some guys that are just going to mash, and they did not have that this year. And it it's not only this game; it showed all year. You need you and. God bless Thayer Mumford. He's you know been around for a long time. He's he's not a guard. <laughs> Matt Jones should be playing. You need guys. You you need guys to be able to mash to run the ball and four offensive tackles. It just doesn't work. I'm glad you brought that up. That was one of the things I was going to talk about. Now I really don't have to. But there are two things I'd want to say, and then like you, I will also be done here. But the Penn State game still stands out to me. Because what did we say all year about Penn State is that Noah Kane in that running game is a joke. It's been terrible. And they had a little success against Ohio State. And the fact that nobody else seemed to have, or nobody else had any issue slowing up the Penn State running game, we really should have noticed those red flags even then. That's upset with me. And that transitions me into, Hayden, you brought up that stat on our last show about how the last however 15, 20 years Ohio State, Michigan, whoever wins the average yard per carry wins the game. It was like 7.2 to 2.1 or 7.1 to 2.2. wasn't even close. Well, no. And then they even brought that, like a little bit of stat up without saying that during the game, talking about the rushing yards for each team. And I literally was so disgusted because all I could think about was you. And I'm like, we're going to lose because of that stat. Like, it was just in my head that I was convinced that what you told us was the reason. But anyways, you know, this is just... A gut punch among all gut punches because this feels like a loss that's going to feel or or be here for longer than just a day. Any final words from you guys before we wrap up? Yeah, I'm going to go bathe in some bleach. Hopefully that, that helps. I don't Nothing else <laughs> I can really do. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta 8 edible. We'll be back early midweek here. We're going to be doing our Big Ten basketball. We're going to be talking a lot more about that here in the coming weeks. So bear with us. This is just obviously this next month, very critical time for football. We'll be doing a Big Ten championship game preview. Michigan fans, man, congratulations. Hopefully we we get you back next year. I really don't have any positive final thought today. But anything you guys want to leave our audience with before we let them go watch some NFL football? Yeah, I do. For all the Ohio State fans who want Michigan to be good, congratulations. I, I, I don't know. What, what do you expect? I mean, that's it. I mean, good luck. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, my final thought is uh, really looking forward to an awesome week of Big Ten basketball. The Big Ten ACC challenges this week. Michigan plays North Carolina. Ohio State plays Duke. I, I don't really remember the other matchups off the top of my head, but uh, really excited for that challenge. Hopefully the Big Ten can pull it out. And then, obviously, really excited for the conference championships on Saturday. We have some, you know, still some big time college football playoff implications. Obviously, the top four. Uh, okay, may, maybe if Notre Dame's in there, like six of the top seven or eight teams are going to be playing and really trying to earn their right to a to a college football playoff. A lot of them for the first time. You know, Michigan would be a first timer. Obviously, Cincinnati would be. And then one sneaky pick for me is Oklahoma State. I think if they win against what's going to be a top eight team in Baylor, you know, I, I would personally put them in over an 11-1 Notre Dame. 
but you know we'll see. That's that's what's going to make this weekend so exciting, and I'm really looking forward to that. I I can't live in a world where Michigan's going to the playoffs. This is unbelievable. You better be real careful too, because this playoff teams that are going there, I feel like could just make up for a really winnable path for Michigan too. I mean, if you get either Cincinnati or Notre Dame, that's a game. Who are you picking? You're picking Michigan. And then beyond that, maybe you have to get Georgia, but that's going to be a dogfight. It's a national title game. That's what it would be. But that, where it's really a really disturbing thought as a Buckeye fan to know we're two wins away from Michigan being in a national title game. And I couldn't have said any better, Hayden. All you people that have been rooting for this, congratulations. You know, I'm sure we're going to get into this more when we do our preview show this this coming week, but you know, really, I think Michigan, if they, if if Georgia can beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, Michigan couldn't have a better four teams to to play against in the college football playoff. I think the one team Michigan does not want to see is Alabama, just because you know, I I personally think their offense is, if Ohio State was one, that Bama was two, so I don't think you want to see Alabama, but you know, the Georgia, the Cincinnati, the Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, you know, I don't think. Michigan would fear any but any of those teams going into the playoff if they can beat Iowa. Like like I said, you know we're going to touch on this, I'm sure, but you know it's a it's a perfect matchup for both teams in my opinion this weekend in Indianapolis. So just really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. If Michigan wins a title, they will be the least talented team to ever win a national title in the playoff area, which is mind blowing, mind blowing. Anyway. You're going to have the Michigan fans after you for that one, Hayden. But we'll, uh, I think we'll leave it at that. We're going to have a lot of fun things to talk about on Wednesday or not so fun, depending on what side of the aisle you are on, on this kind of a talk. But thank you guys very much for listening. We will see you guys back here midweek for another episode of Picks and Tonight.